Hello and welcome. If this is your first time tuning in, know that God honors and blesses all of those people who diligently seek his word and then place it into action. Or perhaps you're a longtime listener. Welcome back to the grace and peace of God. Love wins. You know, friends, I am amazed, but we are starting season 18 today. So we've been going at this for quite a while. There's 15 episodes per season. So that was a little mind boggling for me when I looked at that today. But anyhow, nonetheless, let's jump straight in. We learn from the book of Jeremiah that as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. You know, friends, we're constantly being transformed, renewed, shaped differently by the hand of God. And what a joy and what a privilege it is to have the master sculptor actually in charge of our lives. So I want to just say, be prepared to power up your life as you join me and others each week as we explore all things pertaining to Jesus. Now we're going to go ahead and center ourselves so that we can prepare to enter into God's presence. I'm going to start off with a blessing coming from Moses' brother, priest Aaron. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We're jumping back into Jesus's miracle healings. And today we're looking at Jesus healing dropsy. So if you're wondering where Jesus's Sabbath day miracles are taking us today, well, as I said, Jesus is healing a man with dropsy. Now, dropsy is our modern equivalent of edema. And our miracle is found in the gospel pages of Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And this is entitled, Jesus Heals a Man with Swollen Limbs. And swelling is a byproduct of edema. So one Sabbath day, Jesus was in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. The people were watching him closely because there was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, well, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and asked, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you proceed at once to get him out? Again, they had no answer. Before this Sabbath day miracle occurred, let's revisit Jesus's invitation he had accepted when he said yes to go over to a Pharisee's home for a meal. Jesus accepted the invitation and sat down to eat. Luke chronicles for us a certain immoral woman heard he was there and brought a beautiful jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she proceeded to kneel behind him at his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees, who was the host, saw what was happening and who the woman was, he said to himself, This proves that Jesus is no prophet. If God had really sent him, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. 
Then Jesus spoke up and answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. All right, teacher, Simon replied, go ahead. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he had canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss a greeting, but she has kissed my feet again and again from the time I first came in. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who does this man think he is going around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, friends, it's important to notate that a moral woman was not invited as a guest to the dinner party Jesus was attending, but she learned that Jesus was the honored guest. So she too entered into the house and she came into the presence of Jesus. She sat at his feet. In Jesus's day, it was customary to recline back while eating. It wasn't out of the question to see dinner guests such as Jesus laying down on couches. These guests may have had their heads propped upon one elbow near the table while their legs were outstretched behind them. So with this visual, it's really easy to envision how this woman would have been able to sit at Jesus's feet and anoint them with oil. Now Luke builds a solid case for the sinners like the woman in our story over that of the Pharisees. Take for example Simon, our dinner party host in this story. He committed several infractions or several faux pas in relation to Jesus. Was this merely oversight or did he view Jesus's existence as a threat to the Pharisee leader's way of life? And just what were these social errors or faux pas I'm talking about where Simon had fallen short? Well, we, we reviewed this on another episode, but here they are again. Simon was negligent in washing Jesus's sandaled feet, as was customary in the day. You see, men and women traveled by foot or via animal upon dirt roads. Thereby, their feet were always dusty at best within their sandals. Simon may not have seen Jesus as an equal because he was too busy viewing himself or him, excuse me, Jesus as a threat. 
He failed to anoint Jesus's head with holy oil, nor offer him the usual and customary greeting by the way of kissing each one of his cheeks. Contrastly, this lovely, lowly woman of no good reputation, who was sinful, lavished Jesus nonstop in love. Her actions were ones of nonstop tears of gratitude and kisses along with the use of expensive perfume that she poured onto her Savior. This woman was grateful and she said so. Her past may have been suspect, but not in the eyes of a merciful Savior. Now his eyes were on the stingy, repugnant Pharisees who knew better and had been forgiven, but chose not to act rightly. It's true, our salvation doesn't come through our actions, nor how many acts of service we can perform. It is merely by God's grace and not justice through our faith in Jesus that saves us. The immoral woman was a demonstration of what true faith or trust in Jesus looks like in action versus that in theological doctrine. The magnitude of God's love for his creation can never be quantified. It is simply too great to harness. Yet the love that we show back to God is nearly incalculable when we give to others through acts of charity or generosity. Recall yesterday we looked at scripture that said whatever we do for others, we're doing for our God, Jesus too. They are the same but fulfill different roles. We must stop and realize this also works in the reverse as well. When we're mean-spirited, full of pride, arrogant, even these attitudes are against God. This is why I suggest at the end of each of our episodes that we're not able to repay Jesus's extraordinary and extravagant gifts of kindness back to him, but we can grow in gratitude, deepening our relationship daily. And one way that we do this is by being mindful of our attitudes. We need to make who we are in Christ a part of our daily living. We're God's masterpiece. His word says so. Where is Mona Lisa? Our pictures are hanging upon the walls of his mansion's throne room in heaven. We're justified, meaning not guilty. We're set free from the law of sin and death. We're not condemned by God. All condemnation comes from the evil one. We're made holy or in another word, sanctified. We're new persons made alive at the resurrection. We're made right with God. Along with other believers, we all are one made right with Christ. These are a few of the promises of God as a believer in Jesus that we have. When our attitudes are ones like the immoral woman, we'll operate at levels that are good, productive, self-giving, holy, uplifting, joyful, abundant in grace, and not ones that are jealous, hateful, easy to ignite, or stifling. When we recognize how much forgiveness has come into our lives, we more readily believe in our faith. When we realize the depth of faith, we see our character grow exponentially. Think of faith like this. 
It's synonymous with trust, and we place our trust in something or someone. In our case, it's Jesus. So the continuum may look like this. Faith, trust, God's word, Jesus. John chapter 8 verses 31 to 32 tells us, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. If you keep obeying my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 36 goes on Jesus say, with Jesus saying, so if the sun sets you free, you will indeed be free. In order to fully appreciate the depth of God's forgiveness, we must be able to see the depravity of our sins. Psalm 51 details David's plea to God for mercy, forgiveness, and cleansing. And it's God's desire that we have repentant hearts always turn toward Him. So listen with me now as we review Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what was evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the heart so you can teach me to be wise in my inmost being. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may praise you. You would not be pleased with sacrifices, or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O God, you will not despise. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with worthy sacrifices. And with our whole burnt offerings and bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. The prophet Isaiah tells us God's thoughts are completely different from ours. And his ways are far beyond anything you or I can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, So are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. So while our sins may not have been as grave as David's, or perhaps they're worse, in God's economy, sin is sin. And we are never too undone to ask and accept his forgiveness. David was truly repentant. 
and knew that his actions had hurt many people. At times, if we allow ourselves indulgence into preoccupation with ourselves, we don't realize that our sins hurt others. We're so focused on ourselves that we fail to connect the dots. But the good news is when we place our focus and intent rightly on God's word, we are far less likely to choose wrongly between God and ourselves. Jesus sojourned to earth on a rescue mission for all who would believe in him. It didn't matter if we were conventionally good or deceitfully wicked. He would show us his great love and allow us free will to decide if we would believe in his finished work upon the cross at Golgotha. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 18 and 19, Paul says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now getting back to our dinner party where Jesus was an invited guest, Jesus would create a paradigm shift. The Pharisees wrongly believed that only God could forgive sins. They didn't accept that God and Jesus are one and the same, nor did they realize all judgment had been given to Jesus from his father above. John chapter 5 verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, and the father leaves all judgment to his son so that everyone will honor the son just as they honor the father. But if you refuse to honor the son, then you are certainly not honoring the father who sent him. Jesus had unity with God. Because of this, he stayed in perfect harmony with the Father and lived in such a way that pleased him. We too now identify with Jesus, which causes us to accept Jesus' gift of grace upon our lives. The Pharisees were too stubborn to see how Jesus could tell the immoral woman her sins had been forgiven. Had they held the true belief that Jesus was indeed God, they would have understood. So today's miracle story presented us with a man who Jesus healed of dropsy or edema. In other words, swelling in his limbs. This time was another for a Pharisee choosing to invite Jesus to their home. But something significant's taking shape this time. The Pharisees' intent for issuing this invite was corrupt. They wanted to catch Jesus in a trap. They were secretly hoping he would say or do something to have himself arrested. If it was you or me, the chances are we would have learned our lesson and stayed far away from these setups. But Jesus was vocal about denouncing these Pharisees, and he certainly was not afraid of them. But he was well aware of their true intent and desires. So friends, join me tomorrow as we discuss Jesus' final Sabbath day miracle where Jesus heals a man born blind. And friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, God makes it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son, Jesus. 
Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. And that very sin was then placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary or extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening this relationship daily. Today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I am challenging you to take a bold step of courage. Openly confess this prayer to Father God after me. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I'm inviting you to come into my heart, taking up permanent residence. I am confessing your shed blood washed away all of my sins at the cross upon Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Now your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider growing in a good Bible-based church where you can surround yourself with other like-minded believers and help edify your faith. Now, let me be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your lifetime. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So I hope that you're going to tune in along with your kids for your favorite Bible stories that you may have grown up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into all kinds of topics such as forgiveness, joy, love, biblical trust, and so many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of all things Jesus. So join me, and if you like this episode, make sure to like and subscribe, making sure that you're going to get the latest releases as they become available. And friends, occasionally these episodes will reference my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the content to be inspiring or compelling, or maybe you want to do more of a theological doctrine deep dive, my book is filled with all kinds of scripture verses. You won't be disappointed. But if you are unable to afford a copy, write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. So until next time, remember you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And if you do want a copy of the book, go to pampastorcopywriting.com or you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble or at Dorrance.com. And I'm gonna leave us with this blessing that is the last sentence in Revelation, which is the last book in 
in the entire Bible. It comes from the Apostle John, Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.